So I want to look at these words from uh, the prophet Isaiah this morning. Because we don't dip into the Old Testament as often perhaps as we should. Um, It's a lot bigger than the new. And the new helps us understand it with fresh eyes. And we're thankful for that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word in the scriptures. Thank you too for the word that became flesh in Jesus. And thank you that your word continues to take flesh in us as we respond to you. And we too, as Paul said to the church in Corinth, we become letters written by the Spirit. And so continue your work in us. Speak through your word, Lord. Enlighten our minds and our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I will not keep silent. I will not keep still. I will not keep silly. No, it really should say, I will not keep silly. Well, that's weird, isn't it? Is there a word there, Lord, for us? should say, silent. Dot, dot, dot. Will you? Little provocative question. Silence isn't usually associated with this time of year. I don't know what Christmas is like on your house, in your household. It was a little more subdued for us, not being around children as much. But I remember the energy and excitement of being around children. There's nothing quite like it at Christmas. You're not convinced? Come on. You parents who are just flagging a little bit there thinking, (laughs) when do they go back to school? (laughs) Of course, I grew up in the 70s. That was my sort of uh, great era. Great disco Christmas music that we listened to again and again. And um, noisy parties that kind of went with that. So we started dating in 75, a long time ago. And, and actually, while we were away these past couple of days, uh, we were reminiscing and, uh, about the first Christmas that we had together. And Carol, um, well, uh, the first gift that I bought her was a little silver locket. Oh, it gets better though. She then amazed me. We're away, you know, for, we've had a couple of days away in Victoria. She goes and brings it. She still had it with her in Victoria. Come on, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's only because there was a picture of me in my teenage years in it, obviously, clearly, where there was a picture of both of us. But often there's noise around this time of year. But there's a powerful and important message that it's really important for us to make some noise about, I would suggest, too. The first part of that is that we've got to actually learn to receive the gift, gratefully receive the Lord's gift. It's a gift that Paul described as indescribable. The gift of his Son. What has the Lord given to us? Well, we've, we've reflected on that in our worship and our prayers together. But, but sometimes those things kind of just have a tendency to wash over us. He's given us a, a new name. We're, we're told by the, the, the prophet that we're going to be a, a crown in the Lord's hand. He's fashioning something in us that is beautiful. We're delighted in. We are rejoiced over. We are married to versus being left desolate or deserted. The prophet Zephaniah, wonderful verse some of you will be familiar with, speaks of how the Lord your God is with you. He's Emmanuel. 
And he will take great delight in you, in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Do you have an awareness of the God, the creator of all things, who rejoices over you, singing? Such is his delight in you. Can you receive that gift? That can be a hard one, can't it? And he so made, he so desires you. He so longs for connection with you that he sends his son. This greater revelation. No one's ever seen God, but now in his son. We need to allow that revelation because it's only in the receipt of that. Those who believe in, those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. We've got to receive the gift and all that it represents. Some of you would have been here um, last Sunday evening when Maureen shared about her testimony. What a, a wondrous testimony of having received the gift and the difference that makes. She cannot get over it. We should not be able to either. And all that we would catch a glimpse of the Father's delight and pride and joy in us. He's clothed us with the garments of salvation. He's washed us. The stain of sin has been removed. The, the, the guilt and the shame of sin have been taken away. There is, therefore, now no condemnation. God doesn't want you to live with that. So don't allow yourself to receive the gift. I love how, right at the beginning of, of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah is a hard word because it's spoken to a people who have hardened their hearts towards God. They've lost sight of this God. They've gone their own ways. And he says, as a nation we are sick in the head. And yet right at the beginning, though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. With the word of judgment comes a tremendous word of grace because this is the heart of God. Not to punish us or judge us, but to free us, to forgive us, to pour his love out upon us. We've been given a new name. You've got a new nickname. Do you like nicknames? Never liked my nickname at school. Actually, i got two brothers. We all have the same nickname. My younger brother still goes by it. I'm not going to tell you it. All right. Spot. Spot Watson. Even my dad was called that. Can you believe? Never did like that. Still don't like that. <laughs> So God has given me a new name, and I'm holding on to that one. I hope you are too. I'm a son, as you are a son or a daughter, blessed, forgiven, a saint, a holy one, set apart for a purpose God has for you. You are the beloved in Him. And our job is to believe it, to trust in this reality. It's the only way. It's not just theory. It's not just concept. It's not just history. It's an experienced reality through the Spirit. That is the gift. And that is how we receive it and walk in it. You know, we have a grandson. He's called Eli. Uh, for Elisha. It is Elisha. And, um, <laughs> well, we always call him Eli. And I just suddenly have this thought. It does stand for something longer, but it's never used. And, um, and he was adopted from Uganda when he was... Um, not quite three years old, about two and two and two thirds, and uh, terrible, terrible life. Interestingly, this coming year he's going to go back to Uganda. He's ten years old now, uh, to be reminded of where he came from, 
And sometimes we can take people out of Uganda, but it's hard to take the Uganda out of them. For many years, he struggled with living a new way because it was ingrained who he was as an orphan and how he had to fight for everything and trust no one. And that's so sad, isn't it, as a child of two years old. Some of you know know something of that as well, not perhaps for the same reasons, but because of pain in our lives. And it's a bit like the people of Israel being taken out of Egypt. It's one thing delivering them from Egypt. It's another getting Egypt out of them. Now you're a new nation with a new name, a new reality. That is the same promise to us. So receive the gift with gratitude. Next, we've got to learn to humbly rest in that reality. That's hard for many of us. Humbly rest and rejoice in the Lord Himself. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We have to live from a place of rest, not rest from work and living. Our starting point is rest. This is a part of the gift. We've got to learn to stop and ponder like Mary, to contemplate, reflect, meditate upon This is one of the hardest parts, I think, of receiving and then resting in this reality because life is so full and our brains are going 24-7, it seems. And sadly, that brain has a tendency to be negative and to focus on the negative. Ain't that the truth? And when we experience it from others or we see it within ourselves, we obsess about it and we struggle to let it go. Do you ever find yourself questioning when people, somebody does something nice for you, you kind of question, I wonder why they did that. What do they really want? Somebody calls, hi, Mike, what do you want? What do you need? Surely you're not just calling to say hi. You see, we're naturally suspicious. Our brains are somewhat inclined towards that negativity. We doubt sincerity. And we can struggle, therefore, to enter into the freedom that is ours. We used to use a, um, a, a, what we call a personality preference test. And there was a trait within that called interception. Worked with several people. One man stands out who's a regional manager. And he was off the charts high on interception. And, it, and he would own that. He would say, I'm always asking the question, why? Why did they do that? Why did they say that? And it was really hard for him to just believe that people might actually care for him. Because that reality had never really truly settled upon him. And it was wonderful over the years that we were engaged with him to see him come into an experience of renewal. He was a Catholic um, man living down in the valley of southeast Texas and, uh, and yet came into a genuine experience of renewal and began slowly to let some of that go. Have you let that go? The doubt, the questioning, the wondering why. The sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. You know, it really is based upon His work. Based upon the reality of who He is. He is a God who, as we declared earlier, is for you, not against you. His love is unquestioned. It's who He is. God is love. He can do no other than love you. We just struggle to believe it and receive it. We're so broken. And I think it grieves him. He's saddened by that. 
because he wants us to know this fullness. I was looking back just earlier as I was praying. Back in, in Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone of your flesh and give you a sorry, a, a heart of stone and give you a, a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You see, it's God's work. With the gift comes all the equipping that you need. You don't have to manufacture that. You can't. You don't have to make it happen. Peter says God has given you everything you need for godliness, which essentially is love. It's all a part of the gift. And this is what we need to ponder more upon. Not our shortcomings, or other people's for that matter, but God's comprehensive love and and generosity. And that should elicit praise. The person who struggles to praise, whether that's praising God, whether that's giving to people, affirming, appreciating, approving of people around them, often has struggled to receive that for themselves. We live out of a paucity of experience. And so, as the prophet reminds us, we're to be those who delight greatly in the Lord, whose souls rejoice in God. This is a a mind, a heart, a will in full response to God. Somebody once described the glory of God as a human being being fully alive in Christ Jesus. Do you feel fully alive in Christ Jesus? That means a heart, a new heart, a heart set free to respond and give and receive love. A mind increasingly conformed to the truth of Christ and who we are in Him. And a will yielded, submitted, servants. There is our greatest freedom. And this is the work of the church. It's what we used to call soul care. Part of the call of pastors was the cure of souls. Because our souls are broken. We believe lies. Our hearts are hardened. And our wills are resistant to God. But you see, it begins with the gift. You've got to receive the gift. And then ponder it. Rest in it. Rejoice in it. Reminds me of David. Because he was a... He was far from perfect. He was probably a most fallible human being. He committed adultery. He murdered. His family fell apart because of his lack of attention to his kids. I mean, come on. And yet, God affirms him for a heart after the Lord. A heart of worship. And there's an incident where he's, you know, he wanted to build a temple, but God says, no, you're a warrior. Your son's going to do that. But the heart was there to do that. Because he loved the presence of the Lord. So what, he, what did he decide to do? Well, that the tabernacle, remember, that had represented the presence of God, that had been brought into, into Israel, but not into Jerusalem when that was taken. He wanted to bring that into Jerusalem as a precursor for the temple. Why? Because he wants to meet with God. He wants to praise Him. They had, they had a go at it. And somebody got killed because they didn't do it in the manner God had prescribed. David got pretty discouraged and down. But eventually the word came again and and David eventually brings the tabernacle into Jerusalem and it says that he's wearing a loincloth and he's dancing before it with all of his might. Here's the king. He's not a young man. And it was so offensive to his wife that she cursed him. And he says, I will celebrate before the Lord. 
I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. That's a powerful word from a king. Never mind you and I. Are we willing to humble ourselves and to rest and rejoice in the Lord Himself? This is how we win at being second. I am second makes us winners. It's putting Him first. Humbly resting. It's a choice we make and have to make for ourselves. And the more that we do that, the more the Spirit will inhabit our praise, our lives, our everything. He will. But you've got to do it. Because if in pride you resist the Lord and His ways, He will resist you. But He gives grace to the humble. There's a manner, there's a way. And this isn't just in our... Well, everything's about our response to Him. It's how we are with one another, how we are in our homes, in our families. It's a humble response to God that gives and serves because we have received everything. It's a choice though. Sometimes we think God does it all. And we go too far. Now God has done everything that we need Him to do. But He cannot receive it and walk in it for us. We must do that ourselves. Sometimes we just want to pray and hope God deals with situations. And we don't want to do the work in ourselves. The greatest work is the work in you. Oh, and me. (laughs) You'll be glad to hear. It's the inner work. It's that soul care work. Paul says the spirit of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. We've got to learn to control our own spirit in conjunction with what the Holy Spirit is doing. We've got to bring ourselves into alignment with the truth as God has declared it. We are not passive in this. We are active in response to what God is doing. Final point. We've got to generously release the implanted Word. You see, this doesn't end with you. It must not end with you. It is not all about you. But you are a part of God. And just as it didn't end with Jesus of Nazareth, because as the Father has sent me, He said, I am sending you. With that, He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is to go out from you with generosity. And, and just the prophet says, just like the soil in the garden, silently, mysteriously, the work of God brings forth growth and fruit out of our lives. The question is, what kind of soil is the Word landing in? Remember, now we're back again to the cure of souls. Is it a heart that is receptive to, eager for, hungry for, yielded to Him out of love and gratitude? So we receive the Word and it takes root within us, but then we've got to begin to cooperate with it. We've got to walk in it. God can deliver the most burdened and captivated sinner. We can be thoroughly demonized and set free. But if we don't learn to walk in the truth, we'll be back where we were before we knew it. We've got to cooperate 
with the Holy Spirit. And God gives us grace for these things. He gives us His Spirit. He gives us one another. He gives us His Word. He gives us everything. But these are the, this is the light that we are called to walk in as children of light. Paul talks about this obligation in Romans. as many things he talked about in Romans. He says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. There is something laid upon us. There's a responsibility. We want all the blessings sometimes, but not the responsibility. But there is one. If, sorry, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. You see, that's just putting ourselves back where we were. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. He is saying that to born-again, spirit-filled believers. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. Make of that what you will. The important point he's making, but if by the Spirit, you see, you've got to learn to walk in the Spirit, walk in the new reality and the new truth and the new power, by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Isn't it God's work, salvation? Well, of course, it's all predicated upon God's work and our response. Grace is conditional. Not in God, but for us. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. <laughs> you see, trusting in God and His truth is the condition for abundant grace. Grace comes to the humble. It's another condition. You don't need to protect yourself, serve yourself. God has done that and will continue to do that. We just need to rest in it and then release that truth. And like the prophet, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication and all kings your glory. That is a part of our inheritance and a part of our calling. Some question, is this God speaking? Is this the prophet speaking? I'm not sure it matters. It's the same thing. The, God, the prophet speaks on behalf of God. Because we are one with Him. If it's true for God, it's true for us. We are the light of the world, Jesus said. Like a city on a hill. You can see it for miles and miles and miles away. Do you let your light shine? Do you release what God has put in you? Have you become a light bearer? Just as John reflected on his gospel, the light that gives light to every man has come. It didn't end with Jesus, you see, because God's heart is for all. That's why Jesus came, that all will be saved. That's his hope. That's his yearning. And every time we see that this life is poured out as we read the evolving reality of the church as the people of God grafted into Israel, there is something that is released. Something comes out. Praise, prophecy, teaching, tongues, interpretation, gifts of healing. There is a manifestation. Something gets released. The tongue is loosed. Who needs their tongue loosing? You see, me early on as a Christian, I was petrified. I had to learn to not live in fear. Because the measure that I did was the measure in which I'd failed to receive perfect love which casts out all fear. If I'm allowing fear to dominate and control me and keep me quiet and avoid me speaking and saying, 
I know some of you wish I would speak and say less. However, <laughs> not just in context like this, but with my wife, with my children, with the people I work with. Is there life coming from our lips? We get to do that. Hallelujah. And the Word continues to take flesh. In a way, Jesus is the prototype for all of us. Just like oh, Christmas, I spoke, like Mary was. The incarnate Word, she becomes pregnant with the Word. So do we. And just like Jesus of Nazareth, that continues. First with Mary, then to Jesus, then to the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But you've got to receive first. You've got to learn to rest and rejoice in it. And then you've got to learn to release it. And we do that through acts of compassion. We care. Through words of forgiveness, we forgive freely as we have been forgiven. Through words of acceptance to those who are different and frustrate us in their differences. To words of security and trust where we strengthen and restore relationships. To words of encouragement where we come alongside the broken and discouraged. We get to be the hands and feet of God. That is extraordinary. I love to see my kids loving their kids in ways they've been shaped somewhat by Carol and I. More Carol. Some of me. And it comes out of their experience of something that they, they felt was so good they want to pass on. That's a beautiful thing. It comes from the heart of God. This is how it works. These are some of the greater works that Jesus promised that we would do. This is some of my hope and excitement for 2020 and beyond of what God wants to do here in us and through us. But it's only possible through a people who've learned to receive with gratitude, who humbly rest and rejoice in that, and then courageously release this life of God that has been given. You've been blessed, but in order to be a blessing, you've been given grace to become a grace giver. You've been forgiven that you might forgive. Walk in the light as He is in the light. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Thanks be to God. Amen.